Hello and welcome everybody to the next episode of the Whiskey Hour podcast. Yeah, I am your host Stugna, and I'm here. <laughs> I almost said a ghost. I'm your ghost Stugna, and I'm together here with uh, the host Ali. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm the host, and you're the ghost. Yes, the ghost and the host of the Whiskey Hour podcast are here. It's going all right. It's um been of a well it's been a bit of a few days that have been rather tough oh you don't have to tell me about it i've been there <laughs> yeah yeah you've been there you know what's been <laughs> happening so yeah I'm, I'm just sort of um in that mode that i'm just like i really need a break i need a holiday i need a year off everybody has been enjoying their season off mm. i haven't so just to put it out there, um, in case I will feel like looking back at some point to the previous episodes of this podcast, um, yesterday I died on the table <laughs> in the office. Yep, that she did. She literally just like, she was gone. Like Lorenzo was sitting in the office and like, I, I think I wanted to like send you some files. Yeah, yep. I wanted to send you the files after, yep. the, uh, after the shoot and... I was just like, I really don't want to wake her up. She was just like face first into her desk. I'm so sad you didn't take any photos of this. <laughs> you know, content, content. Now, nah, but like I was gone. Woke up. I don't know how long I was asleep, to be honest. But woke up, got back to work, did some shit, had probably a couple of breakdowns, got home, and I just went to bed. Like Just died. I died with my clothes on. <laughs> I woke up Wait, this morning. Wait, so do you morning. normally sleep without your clothes? No, like I, I sleep with the PJs on. Oh, right. Okay, so you, right? like you slept with your like video shooting clothes. I just slept as I was standing, basically. <laughs> just dressed up. Well, I took the shoes off, given. But like we don't do that here. We take our shoes off when we come home. Hmm. Uh, I mean, depends on the person. I, I like having my shoes on. You never put your shoes on. I, I love having my shoes on. I just don't I just don't wear them when I sleep. That's the only time when my shoes come out. I cannot stand being with my shoes on inside the house. I'm like, no. This is where the Eastern in me comes out. Well, like, you see, here's the thing, right? If the house is carpeted, it's a different story. But if the house is like sort of sort of got like a, you know, a non-carpeted floor... Oh, but I love having wooden floor. If it's a proper wood, like proper wood, not cheap wood. <laughs> like as long as it doesn't uh, splinter, I'm fine. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, so you slept in the office yesterday, which was it was really amusing to watch, and um, I think I died last night. Oh, you were dead. Um, um like it was just like. I don't remember when I got back because I went out for like a late night walk just to um, just to clear my head and Wait, everything. Wasn't it? It was raining last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I purposely went out because it was raining cats and dogs. And I was just <laughs> so so I wanted to go and walk my dog and uh, I saw it was raining. I was like, perfect. You know, I'm just going to go away for for an hour or two. Probably I was gone for two hours um, and I just got drenched in the rain completely. Um, I just needed to clear my head. For a while. I call that dramatic. It's not dramatic. It's I I just needed some you know, some some time and some space. I mean natural shower. 
what? Natural shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's 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 a good opportunity to uh, get out there. You know, considering I don't have time to shower. I'm just kidding. I shower every single morning. <laughs> just putting it out there for anybody who's taking this out of context. I shower every single morning. Wake up, shower straight. You know, uh, but like, hey, I just needed to um, get some stuff out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well. In that case, what better way to actually celebrate this getting out of the head? Celebrate this getting out of the head? Why don't we just get some stuff out of our heads? You want to rant? <laughs> Are you ready to rant? Are you ready? <laughs> Rants. Rants number one. <laughs> well, let me pour myself another glass of whiskey and let's raise a glass. To this episode of I guess ranting. Cheers. Cheers. So I feel like the creative work so many times is being taken for granted. <laughs> um so you just decided to just jump to the moral of the story, right? <laughs> we need to get this out. I need this off my chest. You do. I think you need this off your chest more than I do at this point. Um yeah, I think that really boils on that sort of like the gist of it. Um, and, you know. Yeah, we've been doing like a bunch of uh, creative work for those who haven't listened to previous episodes. Yeah. Okay. So so just, just yeah, for, to give context, um, most of our work is creative media and marketing, but like mainly on the production side, uh, video, graphics, all of it. And, you know, it's always been a recurring theme um the last year you know um kendrick has felt it hanny's felt it everybody who's been involved on the creative production side of things has felt it and been frustrated and i was always sort of the um the person who held himself together right right um i was always the one who was like okay you know we you know as as a creative marketing media agency we have to draw i don't know a line or or have a realistic look at what our creative minds want to do and what is well financially possible by the client and also what is feasible you know given given the limitations the realistic limitations that we have so sort of like me- meeting the the middle ground between the wants and demands and needs and stuff and the desires and the ideas you know yeah it's really finding that that perfect spot compromising yeah finding the right compromises and you know it's it's always been difficult to find that middle ground um in the creative industry it's always difficult to find that middle ground right especially when you're like sort of dealing with clients you know, when you're dealing with like internal projects and stuff, mm-hmm. you have more of, well, I mean, it's your thing, you know, you're not, you, you're not working with somebody else's brand, you're working with your own. Yeah. So you have a lot more ability to just mess around with that or, or, you know, you, yeah, essentially that. And um, this, uh, it, you know, when with our case, it's a lot of client focused stuff. Um so how do you 
you know, at a lot of times take a rigid brand and create something creative out of it. Yeah. It's so stepping off the boundary basically, right? Yeah, I mean, not everybody's brands are rigid, but like, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of times we've had pretty rigid stuff. Um, we've we've worked with people who um, who didn't really understand the process and, and everything. You know, like that's day-to-day operation. Yeah. Um, and through all of that, through everyone sort of being frustrated from time to time and this project and that project being a little annoying here and there, I was always the uh, the one who... I don't want to say the voice of reason, but was like, well, you know, this is the reality of it. You know, we have to work with what we have and all of that. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's been a little, yeah, I, uh, I think I had my limits. more or less. Yeah, I can see it's slowly like taking a toll on you from like the beginning when we started working together. I remember you always being calm and collected and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I mean, I'm still not a, like I'm still pretty calm and collected. I'm not a bomb. Well, you're not an explosive <laughs> personality in general. Mm-hmm. You don't explode that much, like at with the, a rage. Yeah, let's put that there. He doesn't explode with a rage. If it's um a happy motion, I oof, explode. Oof. Yeah, that's um different story but you don't really explode yeah. um like one of the shoots we had uh, just recently you just went silent hmm. you just did not want to interact you just closed off completely i'm trying to remember which shoot that was um we are uh, we're not i thought I mean, yeah, well obviously we're not going to mention uh who it was but uh, yeah no no yeah but uh, i think that's been a lot of uh shoots recently <laughs> no i think um this particular shoot like uh, nothing went according to plan oh oh i think i know what shoot you yeah. yeah like nothing uh we have planned happened well you know you know the thing is i've had shoots where nothing went according to the plan mm-hmm. right so in one very particular video shoot we had, we're making a commercial for, for a Kickstarter campaign. And uh, the crew on set, it was uh, three of us. Um, one person was, uh, was a director and the lead camera person. So we had the secondary camera person. And I was there as, um, as support, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> and um, I remember, um, I think we had, 12 scenes to shoot something like that right and uh at scene number two uh, let me let me put this in perspective right give me context this is a hot dutch summer and like not a hot dutch summer like a regular rainy dutch summer this is like the last few years hot dutch summer heat wave yeah uh, like like a sort of a heat wave at like 38 degrees 36 degrees summer and we're in a house, in a Dutch house, you know, old traditional Dutch houses with like mm-hmm. no air conditioning, nothing. Because you know what? They, it, the Netherlands never had 38 degrees. Well, yeah, because in, in the Netherlands, people usually think that a summer, despite what you think of a summer, it's still, it's warm, 
but you have a lot of wind. So usually, even if you have a heat wave, there's enough wind to compensate for it and cool down because like the country is next to the sea, so yeah. sea level. But the past summers have been insane. Like to the point where there's no wind, there's Global no warming. nothing, and you're just like stuck in this moist yeah. heat wave. Heat moist. So it's almost like a like a like a um god words steam room it's a natural steam room but yeah so like it's it's a really hot day we're in somebody's house and there there are people there's a dog there's a dog trainer you know that that's a shoot you know when 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 working with video you know there there are two things kendrick always says there are two rules first rules of video one, you don't work with kids. Two, you don't work with animals. In one shoot, we decided to break both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Working with pets can be cute. Working with pets can be cute. But if you're trying to get a pet to go here and there and do a cer- certain thing, you know, it can get really annoying, you know, if you're trying to film the pet at the same time with two different cameras and a bunch of lights on them. True, true. But... You know, and we got like, I don't know how many scenes. I think it was like 12, 13 scenes. If it was 13 scenes, then we should have known, you know, because like, Mm -hmm. why would you make 13 scenes? Something will go wrong. Yep. But I think it was scene number two that our our lead camera person and director, um, he died. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as it not... Like heat wave? I, I don't know what it was. Um, he was he was riding the glide cam, you know. It was, and I could see it in his eyes that he was slowly fading away. He was just slowly not gonna be there anymore. Shit, but that's dangerous, like especially with an equipment in your hand. Well, like you got a glide cam and everything, right? So a glide cam is like thirty kilos of like equipment. Uh, no strap, nothing. Everything is handheld. Um, and he's just like I could see him slowly fading out. Oh no! Oh. And then after the second scene got shot, um, he's like, "All right, guys, I'm going to the toilet." And Fuck. we just sat there, and I could just hear him in the toilet just vomiting his guts out. And I was like, "Oh fuck." How am I supposed to deal with this? And, you know, sure, you know, I had written the script. You know, I was sort of, uh, that the, I was speaking with the client directly. So, you know, I, I knew everything that was going to happen in and out. So I was ready to sort of step in mm-hmm. um, as a director. But I had barely ever operated a glide cam, you know? Like I'm 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 not a steady cam operator. That's just not me. And our second person... Um, you know, our second camera person, she didn't know how to operate a glide cam like, you know, the other one either. So it's just like, oh my God, we have an entire day of shoot booked. And this was literally the only weekend this could have been done. Oh no. Because we had to bring a cam, we had to bring an animal, we had to book out the whole house for the whole day, you know? Yeah. This was a clusterfuck. Darn. And I remember just sort of, okay, guys, um, 
So we're going to have to, you know, I, was, I, I walked over to Hanny and I'm like, um, we're going to have to take this over. And mm. she's looking at me like, you know, I, I love her energy. She's like, okay, cool. Let's do this. Just, just like that. Like, yes. She's like, yeah, let's do this, you know? And um, so we started shooting some, some more of the scenes and we started sort of going down. Uh, more or less everything from here didn't really need like uh, steady cam operation to like the later scenes. So, you know, we kind of just like carried on with the scenes and stuff. And I remember <laughs> uh, in one of the scenes, it's like an unboxing scene or the person is unboxing this, this new device mm-hmm. and um, we're shooting the, the footage. And like, obviously there's no sound there because everything is going to be voiceover and music in, the, in post, right? Right. So like, we don't care what, what sound we're recording. <laughs> you could hear it in the back as this person is opening the box the actor is opening the box you could hear our lead camera person in the toilet upstairs vomiting <laughs> <laughs> there's like the box oh, over no. it's like <laughs> oh the poor person <laughs> oh my heart <laughs> I feel bad for laughing now but oh my gosh Oh, I'm definitely sure I have that footage uh, somewhere, sitting down somewhere. Oh, I know I have that footage sitting down somewhere, but I know that for the for a fact that I was editing out that footage. Like I was going to make some Aww. behind the scenes stuff out of that. <laughs> so, you know, I've had shoots that like everything is disastrous and, you know, everything goes wrong. I think that's where uh, the flexibility of the industry and adaptability comes in. Right, because you have to sort of improvise and on the go adapt straight yeah. away. Just like make the best of what you can yeah. when you can. Yeah. And would you say that comes with a lot of um, practice in general, or did, did you have a lot of practice prior to that specific shoot? I, I mean, I had a lot of practice, not in that particular thing. A little bit less. Um, but the thing is, I think that ad- adaptability comes as a bit of a personality thing as well. Right. You know, you've got you've got some people, <clears throat> you know, who are just so rigid and they're like, if if you know, this is what we plan, this is what we're gonna do, I you know, and, and when things change on the fly, then they start to panic and they don't know what to do and you know, the whole thing falls apart. Mm-hmm adaptability is 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 a major skill um and not everybody has that so i'm i'm really happy i'm really glad that i'm working with a team that has that adaptability and thankfully mm-hmm. i ha- i mean i hope i have it um you do you do i mean god you know just to make me feel better oh thank you man. much appreciated <laughs> but you know um so we had those shoots you know and and this is just the nature of the work but my frustration isn't necessarily from like plans changing. I'm okay with plans changing. All right. You know, plans can change. Shit can go wrong. Your camera can break. Oh, thank God. You right. know, I, I hope, you know, that now I'm going to touch wood. I'm going to touch wood. You know, it's, uh, I hope nobody's camera breaks, but like, you know. Go knock on wood. Just go knock on wood now. Doing it, yeah, do three it. Three times, you have to you, do it three times. You, you, who's listening, do it right now. Yeah, thank you. My my camera, much appreciated. Here you go. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but what's really depressing 
And I think, you know, um, a lot of the team members who've been involved with like a lot of shoots can resonate with that is when people don't appreciate the craft, you know, um, that's the one that's incredibly painful. Right. Like imagine if you go to an artist or, or anyone with their craft and you tell them like, I don't care how you do it. Just, you know, I just want, it doesn't matter. Just that, just leave me alone. And, you know, when you have, when you don't have appreciation for somebody else's work, for the craft, that's what starts to bother me. Mm. You know, we've, in the creative industry, you know, whatever, whatever element it is, whatever way, medium you use to express your creativity, you've spent years and years learning the craft, mastering it. And we're, we're always learning. You know, in terms of, in, in, you know, when it, when it comes to like photography and video work. Yeah. Thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of euros in equipment. Not even to mention the actual time put in to learn the craft. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's it takes years before you actually know how to do these stuff. And... You know, and when you have a situation where somebody just doesn't appreciate it or your work to them is, um, I don't know how, I, I wouldn't say worthless because when they see it, they're like, ooh, bright, shiny video. But the thought process that has gone into it, and they, if I, they don't appreciate it. I think they mean it more of you're not as important as what I have to do. At least it comes across from like your words. So, am I like incorrect in this? Um, yeah. It's like prioritizing, you know, like here's the stuff that I have to do. Here's the stuff that you have to do. And unfortunately, the stuff that you have to do is not necessarily a priority on my list, even though it goes hand in hand with the, you know, sort of responsibility, right? Because, you know, being yeah. there for a reason and doing promotion for I mean, a reason. Yeah, we're we're there. We we're hired to be there to do a certain work. Exactly. Let us do our work. You know, don't tell us how to do our work. You know, what I what, one of the things I absolutely hate about like you know, some 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 people who come and tell us how to design. Mhm. You you can resonate with that, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, make the make the logo bigger. Use make, Comic Sans. <laughs> I mean, those are like typical designer jokes. <laughs> oh, I love that. But, um, what was the was the Facebook uh, group? The Instagram? it's an Instagram. It's, it's a designer humor. Designer humor. Here we go. Add designer humor. Um, if if you're doing anything sort of uh, design related, just like, go follow it. It's amazing. Follows. It's great. So like, you know, it's God, when you have those people who go and tell you what to do with your craft, yep. you want to just look at them like, dude, go use a fucking Canva. Go fucking open Canva and do this shit. Don't drag me into this nonsense. If you're asking me to do this, step away, you know? I think that goes um, with a lot of jobs, actually. I don't think we're the only ones. Um, Go tell a chef at a restaurant how to cook. 
Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> go to tell a chef. I think a lot of times um, so many uh, beauty experts don't get the same uh, recognition as well, you know? Like mm-hmm. um, when a person comes to a hairdresser, right? A lot of times you hear the stories of, so I went to this hairdresser wanting to look like this, and then I came out looking like this. The hairdresser did a bad job. Right. And like, don't get me wrong, there are bad graphic designers, there are bad videographers, and there are bad hairdressers. Mm-hmm. But look, whenever I go to a hairdresser, first thing that I ask, sometimes like I even like send photos and stuff, saying, would this look good on me? Does this suit me? Because people in that industry are able to see whether your like skin complexion will match the hair color you chose, right? Yeah. Especially as far as girls, important. Um, whether our face uh, shape and structure will match the specific hairstyle we chose. And should we actually just cut our hair considering, you know, our, I don't know, even sometimes like the body shape, the body structure, you know, some mm-hmm. like some bodies can really pull off a pixie cut, like some a what fi- cut? a pixie cut, like a boyish, you know, okay, a boyish trim, like on a girl, especially. Mm-hmm. And some like if we're like well, guys, some guys can really pull off like a man bun and a long, flowy like hair, right? Oh, oh my god, I I I miss my long hair. Looks like Dracula. <laughs> I think the first time you met me, I had my long hair, right? Mm, I don't... Look, I've I seen the photos. You did not have that long of a hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I met you after I cut my long, long hair. And then there was a period, I think, moving, kind of going into Corona. I just didn't have the time to get a haircut. Or I mean, hairdressers were closed. So I like, think, no, it was like... When, when I met you, you had your long hair, but it was pre you going uh, to your sister's. Okay. So it was um, sort of like long-ish. It got really long in the end where it was like um, really weird. But <laughs> just to put it in a perspective, uh, he would be wearing one of those, um, how are they called? The stuff you put around your head to bring your... Like a hairband? Well, it's like a ginormous hairband. Yeah, like a like a metal hairband. Yeah, you, that you push your hair to the back. Yep. So he was wearing that, but no longer to the middle where it should be. It was going all the way to the back almost. No, I, I actually love that style, but like I don't think I was ever, ever able to pull it. <laughs> I mean, it looked good on you, but it has that moment where it's slightly too long, and then you cannot do anything about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, and also like um, you know, um, my hair is my hair is pretty curly. Yeah. Right. So when it gets long, it becomes a big pain in the ass just to manage it. Okay, you know what? I'm challenging you right now to grow your hair long. Um, no. I mean, do I it. probably will. I most probably do will it. because I'm too lazy to cut my hair. Just do it. What do you mean? I can't grow my hair like right now. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I challenge you not to cut your hair until your I birthday. I went for two years without cutting my hair. Wait, what? Yeah. But, well, what? I went two years without cutting my I mean, sure, I had like little grooming here and there because I was growing my hair. So I was like doing like little cleanups here and there. 
mm-hmm. but uh, my long, long hair, the probably the photos that you saw, I think you're referring to the photo from the uh, f- me and Kendrick sitting next to each other. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Me and my, uh, me and my brother, <laughs> me and my brother who are kind of the same, who look kind of the same, but not really. <laughs> Facial features. Like, not at all. Hey! We look quite similar. Sure, cut out a couple of pounds. Anyways. (laughs) 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 But, like, uh, no, no, no. That photo is actually from my long, long hair. That Mm. was work of two years. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm probably not gonna grow my hair that long again, considering how uncomfortable that was. I remember... When I cut that hair, my dog did not recognize me. No. Oh, my gosh. It took him a couple <laughs> of seconds. He was, like, looking at me like... He, I think he started barking at me. Oh, my gosh. And he was started, it, was yeah. it you coming back from Malaysia, was it, right? Or N- No, I didn't really get a haircut. I, I, no. No, no, no. This was in Holland. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was actually at the hairdresser's place. He was with me as my hair was being cut. Oh, no. And when I got off the chair, he looked at me. Neoja was just like looking at me for a couple of seconds like, who the fuck are you? You smell like my dad. You don't look like my dad. What kind of an imposter are you? I'm about to rip you. (laughs) Oh, my God, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean... And and that happened, and nobody, literally, no one in the office could recognize me. Like not in our immediate office, uh-huh. but in the building. Like uh, people would look at me like a couple yeah. of times, like two or three times, and they're like, "Oh shit, that you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's like um, circling back to the um, topic about like hairdressers as well. Like the craft that they do, how mm-hmm. they are trained, um, they know whether a hair will suit you and you know yeah um sure human error sizes right you can think that the hair color will not suit a person and then it turns out it does and you're sort of like oh okay it probably does or a person will really like the hairstyle or the hair color and how they look and they're just gonna say that the hairdresser didn't guide them well enough but so many times like even that industry the dressers, they don't give enough, uh, they don't get enough recognition, right? Mm-hmm. They don't get asked for um, any advice prior to cutting their hair. No, you just go there and you're like, okay, I want my hair short. You show them a picture, like, I want it to look like that. Exactly. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, but not everybody can pull off, I don't know, like, Beyonce's, like, you know, <laughs> flawless curls, right? It, it's not for everybody. Not everybody can be like Emma Watson, who can pull, pull off long hair and short hair at the same time. Mm, at the same time, that would be rather interesting. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, like... But in general, not everybody's like that. And that's yeah. why the craft of a hairdresser is actually important. Yeah. And when you go to them, you actually should give them respect and maybe ask for their opinion a lot of times. Like, would that suit me especially if you're thinking of going for a change rather than just getting what you always would get true 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 and i think like you know what i've been sort of missing a little bit is um 
I haven't, I don't know. I haven't been missing it because we have that with a lot of our clients. Most of our clients have, have the appreciation for the work that we do. It's sometimes we get into situations where we're working with someone and they don't have that appreciation. Yeah, and, it really sets you back. And yeah, I, um, I was just done for. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with that being said, let's take, uh, let's take a refill break. And let's get back to the whiskey hours in a second. Boop. Hey, everybody. This is Lugna from the Whiskey Hour podcast. I just want to take this quick minute to address the issue in today's society, which is alcoholism. I know that with the name of this podcast being the Whiskey Hour podcast, it might seem quite controversial, but alcoholism is no joke. So many people are affected on a daily basis, whether that's growing up in an alcohol abusive society, household, or having problem yourself. Alcoholism should not be taken lightly. If you are in need of help, please reach out. There is a brighter side of this. Mental health is your number one priority. You should never put it down. With that being said, let's go back to the Whiskey Hour podcast. Cheers. So coming out of uh, these sort of situations where you feel your art and your, I wouldn't say your, yeah, your art, um, your craft is underappreciated. And especially with, uh, you know, obviously we both work in the media and creative industry. Um, and I would say relative to you, I'm new in the creative industry. Sure, but I wouldn't say, you know, like I grew up in media industry. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Like, so, so, so I've kind of worked in the media creative industry for a bit longer. Right. But you grew up in the industry. Yeah, well, I was sort of raised, but that's very much just you know a coincidence mm-hmm. um and also like the industries that i grew up in um i grew up in uh, more of a tv radio and event related industries right right so um while they share some of the similarities they are very much different from like graphic design or video work that Marketing. we do right now Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for most of them, even the audience is completely different. Right. Of course. Um, but like, what do you see as sort of the, um, the personality traits that someone needs to have to get into this line of work? Well, I would say um, moldability. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Oh, um, yeah. Like, basically everybody who comes in to the industry they don't really know what they're doing. And if they do know what they're doing, <laughs> it's a bad choice. You know, you know, like um like the thought process of you don't want to get a dog that's fully trained if you're not the one who trained him. Yeah. Because then the dog is not bonded to you. Mm-hmm. It's almost the same. You don't want to get a person who is fully trained and fully skilled. Because they might not uh, go together with a company, right? True, true. And I think I can really resonate to that. I mean, the the thing is getting, you know, bringing in someone who really knows what they're doing is great. Obviously. Um, So like a lot of times you have no room for failure. You've got the XX person, you know, sitting on a particular, I don't know, video shoot or Mm -hmm. or a TV show Mm -hmm. or whatever. And you really have no room to fuck up. Yeah. So that's when you bring in folks who know what they're doing. 
But in the long run, I think, and I don't think it's just because of the you know, the, the cultural integration and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also um, because you want to have the bond with them. You know, yeah. You when you when you're working um, in a creative industry with someone, it's just a lot of it is just about eye contact. Yeah. You know, when you look at the other person, and you you can. You can see what's happening in their minds by just sort of looking at them. It's like one of those moments when you, you're you working, you pass your co-worker and both of you are having the same difficulty and that awkward smile you share, doesn't matter if you know their name or not, just yep. that awkward smile and eye contact you share. Yep. Yep, basically that. It's You just read each other's minds and, and you know exactly what's happening on the other side. And you need to have that. Yeah. You know, nothing the last, you know, couple of shoots that we've had has been pretty evident. Mm-hmm. Um, things can get stressful. Oh, yeah. You know, um, the easiest projects can suddenly feel incredibly disappointing and stressful. Like you just have to like get onto this really quickly and get moving. But I think that's also based on um, expectations you have and the hype of it all, right? Yeah. If you think of a uh, ginormous, like the most important person you can do a video shoot for, for example, mm. right? Or who would it? Who would that person? Like I don't fucking know. <laughs> like it all depends on a like time of it, right? Like mm-hmm. I remember with one project we worked with. Um, we had one of the famous singers right, within the country coming along, right? So then the expectation of that is like you want to show all the best parts of the project. Doesn't matter um, if they like it or not, but you just want to show them that you have everything you can within the industry to offer them, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same when it comes to TV, or um, like graphic design to what I do, right? Mm-hmm. If a person that's like quite important and has quite a bit of a capability of, I don't even know, like work capacity. Right. Or potential in general in growth. Mm-hmm. Um, come along and they're like, we want this and this to be done. You're like, well, I want to make this special yeah right you just sort of want to exceed the expectations given to you yeah and i think that um you know in our line of work we do a a lot of things are emotional yeah they are you know um if something goes wrong we're the first ones to blame ourselves yeah like i i know for a fact clients will always blame us oh yeah (laughs) like everything (laughs) actually that's not true we've had really some really nice clients I mean, but that's the train of thought, right? Like, um, I can tell you this from the event perspective. If an event sucked, it failed, is the event organizers, or if it's a host of the event, then it's even the host's fault. People want to point their fingers at the first person who's to blame. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter who actually screwed up. Yeah. Because in the end, the result is something didn't work. Mm-hmm. Something screwed up. 
for the next time, know that this doesn't work. Go past it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Think about it in advance. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically what it is. When you see professionals on the field and shit, you think of, okay, so... Sorry, did you just say professional pedophilia? Professionals on the field. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) No. What is this starting to? (laughs) Jimmy Boy is not helping us. Nah, but like when you see professionals, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing that is so much different is while well, they have more experience and they probably have encountered this similar situation. Yeah. And like in our line of field, they probably have better equipment. Equipment. I mean, the thing is, in our line of work, as uh, an old saying, it's like, doesn't matter what you shoot it with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it the, the you know it's it's all about the person who's actually using the tool. Yeah. But sure, like there there are a lot of like sort of equipment that make things easy and stuff. But with I think you know with what we do, a lot of times it's just so emotional. You know, we pour our hearts and souls into every single piece that we create. True. True. And. You know, we're not the kind of people who just sit back and say, we're being paid to come and hit record on a camera. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not that kind of people. Um, and we want to create something special out of everything. Every, you know, everything needs to be a portfolio work. And obviously, that's not, you know, realistic. Not everything is going to be. Yeah. But we want it. To be the portfolio. And, and you know, that's why it gets very emotional. Like a lot of our brainstorming sessions, we uh we have a lot of emotions running high. Oh yeah. But that's not because we hate each other or anything. It's because we are passionate about what we do. And you know, we want to sort of see the same passion for the final product mm. from the people that we are working with. And if there's a misconnect there, that's when it becomes a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. True, but um, I think we should also turn this um, a little bit around towards ourselves as people, right? Yeah. Um, we can talk about the industry as much as we want. I know that, like, from my point of view, like all of you, like fellow graphic people, you know what it means, like, when you poured yourself out there doing a design and then. The person's like... Can we make the logo bigger? Can, can we use Comic Sans? <laughs> <laughs> right? But but you know what I mean. So um, I think it's very much similar to when you're at home, right? What happens if uh, you poured your heart out telling a human being that you feel one way or the other and they just stay cold, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want to go back to the person. Yeah. Or if you have prepared this ginormous, I don't know, in Eastern cultures, it's very much natural to prepare a ginormous feast or bake or just cook something very special to a person you like, whether that be like, I don't know, your lover, your... Your lover? But it could be like also um, work related a lot of times or your yeah. friend having a birthday or 
your family member, anyone to be honest, that you value very much, right? Yeah. And if you see that they didn't like it that much, oof. You know, it's like you actually poured your heart into it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, the person didn't appreciate it. And I've had my fair share of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, this is so close. This is just like the same thing. Just putting it into a professional matter. Yeah. And uh, that, which is what sort of makes for a very, um, I would say, fragile work environment. With uh, with folks, um, so on that note, I think you know one of the most important characteristics a person needs to have to get into, I would say, marketing. You know, mm-hmm. the content marketing side, because you know what we do is mm-hmm. content marketing. Yeah. Um. So this really excludes the entire sort of artistic environment and we'll, we'll get to the difference between like sort of commercial work yeah. and artistic work but like you know when when um when we think about commercial uh creative work you really really need to be able to sometimes not judge yourself yeah you know um a lot of us are are quite critical of our own work because heck we're our own biggest critic. We all want to be the best version mm-hmm. that we possibly can be. Um, and that's because when we work on something so many times, you start actually noticing your own flaws, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. how many times can you listen to the same song if you record it yourself? You're constantly going to hear if one note is clicked the wrong way. Something is... Oh, you, you, dude... This actually takes me back. I was uh, so as a as a twelve year old, yeah. I had hopes and dreams and aspirations of becoming a rapper. <laughs> and at the age of, I believe, sixteen, mm-hmm. I I got a whole home studio. So I put my first track out when I was thirteen. Okay. And at 16, I think, I got a whole home studio and I started to produce, write, and produce, uh, and, 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 you know, record my, uh, my extended uh, play, my EP album. Nice. Um, and I remember, you know, sort of working completely solo on, on, uh, on an EP. I remember by the time I was done with any of the songs, mm-hmm. I was sick and tired. Of listening to the words and the beats. Because you know what? Mm -hmm. Those beats and those words had been in my ears and on my papers for weeks now. You know? Except for one song. One song happened overnight. Mm. Yeah, one song, it was... That's one song. Hmm? Was the hit though? Um, It was the hit in the sense of uh, nobody could actually listen to it. Because it was like terribly painful. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> like I, we had the CD in my my dad's car, and every time that song came up, my mom would just like go, "No, nope. no, I will not listen to this song." Oh, um, it started off. Um, the intro and the chorus and the outro were sound clips of women who were raped while in custody. That got grim. 
Um, let, let's just move past this grimness real quick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, so I was listening to some radio with my dad, and um, they were doing those interviews, and that was probably at eleven at night, and we listened to the interviews for about half an hour. Mm-hmm. And 11.30, I went in my room. I did not come out um, till, like, the next day mm-hmm. around 10 in the morning. And I just came out and I just, like, I was done with the song. Like, overnight, I wrote it, produced it, recorded it, mm-hmm. did the whole editing, mastering, everything. And, yeah, that was just, like, such an emotional night. Because, like, I heard these things. I was just like, oh, my fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, so I can totally sort of resonate with that. And like a lot of times when I look back at the works that I've done, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't want to look at it anymore. Because I know there is that thing wrong over there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that tiny pixel is is uh, looks, looks a bit crooked. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, um, sorry, that got um, dark. <laughs> It's my role on this podcast to bring the grimness to the story. Well, you're a highly feeling person, you know? Um, I can tell you this for a fact. Like, so many times when something doesn't go wrong and everyone else goes into this mode of, like, feeling out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. You're, you, you always feel this. Like, you know? Like, feel what? You always feel the other's emotions. Uh, 50-50, I guess. Um, my ex-girlfriend wouldn't say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt, though, but, like, no comment. <laughs> All right. But um, I've sort of always been, like, other people's emotional sponge. Like, almost like a safe box. Spongebob. Sponge, sponge alley. Spongebob. <laughs> you were the Spongebob of the bunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, well, where, where were we going with this? Um, we... we, we, we <laughs> 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 I think the... I got uh, sidetracked. I think uh, the interviews uh, of, of people who were raped in custody they got me hard yeah like no it's it's um they're very detailed and vivid i'm just i yeah you know especially now like we are talking so much about um our line of work and what takes us off and being unappreciative and we forget that there are so many worse problems in this world (laughs) Yeah, yeah, nothing, it's, you know, we've spent the last, I don't know, 45 minutes, I've, I've mainly, I've been ranting about how underappreciated I felt in my craft, and I'm not saying I'm the best at it, no, you know, but I do my best, I do my absolute best every single day. But like, you know, what is the best, then that's the question again. You know, that's, all, that's a really good question because you can bring the best 
quote-unquote, say, photographer to a place, and they won't, you know, produce what is needed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I think you want to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I think being the best is not necessarily being the best for the job, right? Yeah, it's relative. It's subjective. It's it's down to what is needed in that particular moment. Yeah. Um. So, you know, sort of being the best, I think that's a bit of a misconception that we've had like this sort of a best singer, best photographer, best graphic designer, best video, all of that, though all of those things. I don't think there is a best, best. Yeah, but I think that's why right now we are starting to get so much diversity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you said like the best singer, right? Yeah. Um, before we had so many, like, I don't know, Mariah Carey's. Yeah. No one can hit the notes that well, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't compare Rihanna to Mariah Carey. Uh, entirely you, different styles. Yeah, you can't compare these two different individuals. And that's why I think um, even with our own line of work, there are so many people who can do better, you know? Oh, yeah. But it's all comes down to whether you see eye to eye to the people, well, you're doing stuff for, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, how's your relationship with them? And also just sort of understanding of what is needed. And I think that sort of brings me to um, folks who are more creative and artistic focused mm-hmm. than the folks who are more commercially driven. Okay. You know, um, because, you know, being very close to a very large art academy, mm-hmm. we've had the pleasure of working with a lot of folks from the, you know, who are, are either studying or graduated or dropped out of the art academy. Ah. <laughs> um, and fun fact, though, one of our team members dropped out of the art academy because he was too commercial for art. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, art... And any kind of art, might I mention, mm-hmm. is all about perspective. You know, I so many times have been known to relate to stuff that wasn't relatable to others. Mm-hmm. So many times I look at an item that a person wouldn't find, you know, relatable. Oh, fuck, dude, you were saying that the other day. There's something like justice with feet. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, like that's like the justice, right? I have a version of like the holding, like the stature of a person, the feet, like, you know, of a strong individual walking. I was trying to explain how I see the image. And Ali was just like, What? Jinx. <laughs> then I pulled Charles into it. I'm like, Charles, just listen to this for five seconds. And he's like, what? Exactly. And then she pulled the image, just put the visuals in front of me. And I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah, but like, 
that's what I mean. Not everybody is gonna be able to see what others artists see, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we have so many times that someone drew a picture that got purchased for like what tens of grands of euros, dollars. Yeah. Like, and others are making fun of it almost like on social media, saying, "I could have become an artist with this type of skill," when in reality, that picture probably spoke to someone yeah maybe they had a chance to talk to like the individual who made it mm-hmm. and it really spoke to them they got the point and it's all about like relating that little imagination you have to what an artist has right yeah yeah but i think you know when it comes to like commercial creative work yeah it's it's a lot of times just put your creative mind, take your creative mind, take all the creative ideas you have, scale it down to about 5%. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're going to be able to execute. Yeah. And that's if you're lucky. And a lot of folks can't deal with that. I mean, I've been dealing in general with a lot of like art- artists mm-hmm. in different fields. So I'm talking about like from music to paintings, you know? Mm-hmm. And here's what I've noticed. Most of the artists have a brain. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. But they still have that uh, visual of a child, right? They have the imagination. Oh, right. Yeah, the imagination. The prospect to think of something that only a child that gets enough time to spend with their mind can think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when they say something that doesn't make any sense to us is because they just think about it. And they think this sounds great. This looks amazing. And this is worth it. Yeah. But when we as people from commercial and trying to sell stuff, right? And... I mean, not sell, but just make it relatable to the general public. Make it appealing. Make Make it it eye-catching, right? We want to make it eye-catching for the masses Mm -hmm. to view it. We're trying to look at that ginormous picture that most of the people would be able to relate to. Not the artists, not only the artists, but mostly the people who would be actually interested, like in a product, a service, or anything else we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when we see something, and when Ali said, we have to scale it down, it's because that childish imagination, that burst of creativity, is not relatable to everyone else within no. the industry. No, it isn't. And it, I don't think it's even desired or wanted, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it usually isn't. No, it it, it isn't. And, and um, to sort of translate the entirety of the vision usually takes a lot of steps and, you know, a lot of money to execute at a lot of times. And um, so many times it's misunderstood afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, coming into the, you know, coming into this industry, you really have to decide which... And it's like, it's kind of like the battle, 
you know, it's the battle that doesn't have a winner. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a battle. It just goes hand in hand, you know. You can always swap to the other side and yeah. explore the other side a little bit more. But you really need to have the right mindset yeah. for each side. You know, if you, if you get into marketing with an artistic uh, mindset, you are setting yourself up for a lot of frustrations and disappointment. Yeah. You know, vice versa. With a marketing mind, if you're getting into artistic work, you're probably not going to survive. Oof, it'll be tough. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to be able to survive in there for And I'm not saying it's, it's not like, for, it's not like a, oh my God, don't do it. It's, it's a holy, you know, it's, it, it takes some people. It's, think about it. Think about how much will you be able to adapt. Yeah, and I know people who've done it very well, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, sort of, um, I think this was a bit of a long-ass rant. That, that it was about the industry, about the people, and about what we're doing, I guess. I guess I guess a lot of it is about the industry. You know, I really don't like getting calls from people talking to me about shoots the next day or, mm-hmm. you know, um, situations where somebody is like, oh, it's just a picture. You know what? Go fuck yourself. It's not just a picture. A picture is a story, you know? Yeah. Like, why don't you fucking take it with an iPhone? And then tell me it's just a picture. Um, it's not just a picture. I mean, we can call this podcast just a podcast, right? Yeah. But this podcast includes two individuals dedicating a certain amount of time to actually produce it, cut it. A certain it, amount of money to buy whiskey and because we don't have sponsors. Sponsors, whiskey sponsors. Anyway, but it also... Please sponsor us. I don't know how it is for Ali, but for me, it takes a lot of, like, just pure courage to actually put my voice out there. I'm not a person oh, yeah. that speaks a lot. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of our clients listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. And then they see me and they're like, oh, is this the girl who's doing the podcast? I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> I-, I can speak in front of the microphone. I have talent, I swear. <laughs> but no, I think um I think this this week um and the previous week was was a bit difficult. Um actually no, that's not even true. Um I think the difficulty has sort of been there um uh, with a very 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 particular um project that I eventually uh, we talked about it today. That I eventually was like, okay, I'm done with this. You know, it wasn't that specific project. Now it's that specific project. We've had projects before that were even more frustrating now looking back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think like this frustration is anything new. It's just like I'm, ha- I'm having a bit of a psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hitting me. It's hitting me real hard. But uh, hey, I, I appreciate having your ears to... Um, Ran to, and I'm glad if um, anyone can actually relate to us in this sense. Yeah, tell us actually, what are your thoughts on the uh, sort of personality traits you need to get into commercial media marketing, creative work, or you know this this constant thing about commercial and artistic uh, creative works? And of course, if you have any clients who make you feel like absolute garbage, tell us. 
You can find us on at the Whiskey Hour Podcast on Instagram and on Spotify, Anchor, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts from. That's what all the podcasters say, right? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wherever it is. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll be back next Friday at 5 p.m. with another episode of the Whiskey Hour Podcast. Cheers. Cheers, guys.